0: All right. Here we go. Today is Sunday, October 6, 2019, and this is episode 238 of the Defensive Security Podcast. My name is Jerry Bell, and joining me tonight as always is Mr. Andrew Kellett.
1: Howdy, Jerry. How you doing today, my buddy?
0: I am doing great. I will be much much better in about 3 weeks, though. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're on in the middle of travel hell, aren't you?
0: I indeed I am. But mm, um, no fun. No, but you know it's better than what you got going on, so I, I should not hey, should not complain.
1: I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm getting there. Good, slowly but surely.
0: Good to hear. You. You're you're definitely sounding better.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, every day is a little bit of progress, so no complaints.
0: Good, very good. So, just a, a reminder before we get into the show that the thoughts and opinions are are ours and not those of our employers or Mister Callous Cats.
1: Well, you know Fiona is pretty opinionated about cybersecurity. So, you never know.
0: <laughs> it would be, be coincidental, how about?
1: That's fair. That's um, fair.
0: All right. So, um yeah, so lots lots of stuff going on, but one one story you sent me kind of resonated with me and I I thought it would be worth talking about. This one comes from CSO Online and the title is Marriott Data Breach FAQ. How did it happen and what was the impact? So we've certainly talked about uh, the Marriott breach before la- last year when it it happened but a lot has transpired uh, between then and now uh, including the the CEO of Marriott testified before Congress here in the US and they were um, they were also fined by the UK under the GDPR and, and so there's there's been a, a a fair amount of additional information that's come to light in the past uh, past year or so, and I thought that would be a good good opportunity to catch up. Uh, so just to just to recap, um, the, the the deal here is that Marriott bought a company called Starwood back in 2016. In the end analysis, uh, Starwood had been breached in 2014, and and that breach went undetected until two years after the acquisition all the way into 2018 when uh, Accenture who apparently runs the IT and security around this legacy Starwood environment detected a uh, an, an anomalous query against the database by an otherwise legitimate user and upon investigating that they 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 found all sorts of uh, bad stuff they found a, a large encrypted file which apparently took them several uh, several weeks to decrypt i can only imagine by the way that the process of decrypting that probably looked like one of those tv hacking scenes where you have like multiple people typing on the same keyboard and you know there's like ping going on in the background and yeah whatnot. the
1: faster you type that the, the better you have shot you have at it right, uh, right. we're through the first tense. firewall it's yes. pretty tense and if you if you're not drinking like a specially mountain dew drink you're doomed
0: it's so true, so true. So anyway, they 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 eventually did decrypt it and uh, found that it had the file had about five hundred million records uh, in it, customer records. Uh, apparently, it was. Tra- it sounds like it was a lot of transaction records. Like so, every time you stayed at a at a hotel, that was a, an additional record. Not necessarily five hundred million people.
1: Um, now, as I understand it, too, this this starwood stuff was still separate from the marriott stuff so this really was just affecting the, the starwood brands not any of the marriott brands yet so like the weston sheraton w's yep. those brands were the ones that got impacted because they hadn't merged their systems together yet
0: correct correct yeah Yeah, and this this particular article kind of lays into that a little bit about you know about how um but you know about the uh the woe of of due diligence and acquisition, and then also they point out that in the aftermath of the acquisition the the heritage starwood i t staff uh, in, including security staff were apparently laid off, which doesn't quite jive with the you know the, another comment about how Accenture was running i t and security both before and and after the incident, and then I would also point out that well you know. The breach had happened, or the the intrusion had, had had been going on for two years at that point. So I'm not sure what keeping those people around would have you know done in addition. So
1: well, it depends on uh, you know. I, so I, I I concur. This is a challenge um, when when you have this legacy system and you you lose the brain trust behind it. The chances of detecting. Anomalous activity go down dramatically, because you lose the the tribal knowledge around what's normal. So yeah, they missed the initial breach, but there's a good chance that that existing staff who knew the systems might have picked up on some sort of anomalous lateral movement or other sort of you know odd behavior that that a a third party like an outsourced third party or the new staff who had no familiarity with the system might have missed. I don't know. No, that's, uh, that's a good point. Uh, that's a good point yep. I think it 's dangerous though when you just you know until you can either merge systems or migrate the knowledge to just dump that old staff in mass, which we don 't know for sure that 's what happened, but it's sort of implied in the story. Um, I think put you at risk in my opinion
0: yeah so so i 've certainly worked or, uh, worked in and around enough big companies to understand that an interesting thing happens when you have an application that is deemed not strategic. And certainly this Starwood reservation database was almost, almost certainly deemed non-strategic and, and large companies will um, for, for many different reasons, some of them good, some of them not so good, will start starving the, the that legacy application of resources, you know, for, funding support resources people and so on in favor of um you know funding the the strategic replacement and and so again i no no clear indication that's what happened here but it is uh is a very common uh, thing that happens in larger organizations when when you have multiple systems like this in play so um
1: yeah it's definitely implied that the Starwood Reservation System was going to merge into Marriott Reservation System. Yes. So it makes sense that they would not invest in the old system. But, you know, here's where security can play a part. Because if you identify, look, this is this is sensitive data, you know, or, or PII data, or whatever you want to say, you know, there's still a minimum level due diligence of security that you should be doing around that stuff.
0: Yeah, That that's the – that's – Something we've talked about in the past, where I, I'm immensely frustrated by, um, you know, by the behavior of different organizations to do this, because you know these applications are kind of like uh, having a kid or or adopting a dog, right? You you have to be committed to caring and feeding them, you know, throughout throughout their their you know the the period of time that you're responsible. For them and, so, when,
1: and, it, when, when are you going to start that with your own kids?
0: As soon as they get jobs. <laughs> I'm waiting. You hear that, kids? So, no.
1: No, you're right. It, it, it's, I don't, I don't want to overstate this, but it's, you know, almost IT malpractice to start orphaning these really critical applications like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it's you know, lots, lots of of, uh, of badness can happen. Again, we don't, we don't actually know exactly what happened. There, there's, um, and there's a st- statement in here, and I think it came from the testimony of the CEO that they, in, in the investigation, they found a rat, and they also found a, um, a mimi cats running on at least one one server, and so it's entirely possible that. Uh, you know the the starwood reservation database itself was you know being managed really competently and it was some other part of the infrastructure that was uh, where the intrusion happened and and the credentials and whatnot were gathered and you know everything from the perspective of the, the the starwood database could have seemed you know perfectly legitimate and it wasn't until this uh you know this this Anomalous query came through and, and tickled their radar that, that, um, that the breach came to light. Now, I will say it's, it is impressive a bit that they were able to detect that. I mean I, I, um, I, I'm not sure that a lot of organizations would have the sophistication to do that, so uh, I, you know.
1: yeah, and it makes you wonder if it was a newly deployed monitoring system or some variety or right you know log analysis system, because why why then versus the previous four years?
0: Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, it's also, um, well, again, we don't know the entire timeline, right? So maybe they've been siphoning off data and getting updates periodically for, you know, four years, and, and they just happened to catch the most recent time that that happened. Or maybe the prior four years was just, you know, figuring out the lay of the land and this was the, you know, the first and only time that the data had been stolen. We, we just don't, we don't know that that information hasn't been made public. And it's not even clear if Marriott knows to be perfectly honest.
1: Yeah, indeed.
0: Uh, so, so another, uh, another interesting thing I, I, uh, I saw in this, this up is that uh, credit card data was among the types of data that were stolen. And, you know, very fortunately they that that credit card data was encrypted uh but most unfortunately the uh, encryption keys were also on the same server and also stolen uh, by the by the bad guys so
1: hey look we encrypted it what more do you want from us <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so th- this is by the way this is a big challenge and i i um i have I have heard th- through the the rumor mill that that the data in the um uh, capital One the recent capital One breach may actually have been encrypted however it uh, it was configured in such a way to transparently decrypt uh, the the data and, and the way that the data was accessed it was able to be captured and, and pulled out unencrypted so if you were to you know to try to access the underlying storage, it would have looked encrypted, but the way they accessed it was um it was was conveniently decrypted so
1: yeah c- the application that came through had rights to decrypt the data yeah, encryption is encryption is hard you know
0: the other thing that i don't i think we may have talked about this before but even even if you do encrypt it right there's a um, there's a shelf life for encryption and and so you know, maybe maybe it's not important from the perspective of of credit card information but one of the Points in this article is, um, you know, the, the the thinking is this intrusion and in, in data theft was conducted by or per- perpetrated, I should say, by by China. The same group, in fact, that may have done the OPM breach for the purpose of tracking the movements of U.S. government employees, um, which you know, which kind of goes back to the point. Well, you know, that kind of data may actually be. Or have a have a longer shelf life than a credit card number because you know credit card numbers are valuable to 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 bad guys in in terms of committing fraud, but if you're you know if you're after being able to track the movements of different people, well, that data set may have a a, a lot longer longevity and and therefore, um, you know, you the, the encryption algorithms that you use today. Are, you know, certainly are not going to be sufficient in ten or, or so years, as we've, you know, as we've been seeing, and and so, you know, even if we do encrypt it, do do a good job, don't store the keys on the same server. There's potential for um, for harm still to come.
1: Yeah, and not to get all you know tinfoil hatty, but. We also see these stories occasionally about the rise of quantum computing and its amazing ability to break encryption, and who knows what that'll lead to. But something to keep an eye on. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, eventually that will uh, that will become a a, a a real and present threat. So, yeah.
1: You know, the other thing I thought interesting was there's some speculation here that it was China, and as I've said many times, attribution is hard. So take that with a grain of, thought, grain of salt. But they also support the case by the fact that none of this data has shown up on the quote-unquote dark web, and there hasn't been a rise in um, fraud with these credit cards. So uh, that's somewhat compelling. There's a lack of fraud. But I but I was sort of chuckling at the concept of it hasn't showed up on the dark web. And I'm like, you know, it's the dark web. How do you know you're monitoring all of it? You know, it seems like they, they assume they have perfect fidelity of what shows up on the dark web.
0: I'm yeah, like, um,
1: that's... A good point. that's that's bold, but okay.
0: <laughs> That's a good point. Um, the, other th- the other interesting thing is they, they, they do draw an interesting series of connections that, that support the, the hypothesis that it was China. One of which is that Marriott is a, um, I think what they call what a tier one hotel, a top tier hotel provider. That's what it, the quote was for the U.S. government. But it wasn't Marriott that was attacked. It was Starwood. So I don't know what...
1: Well, you know, sometimes your, your, your junior guys have got to start with a smaller target and you work your way up.
0: <laughs> fair, <laughs> enough. F- fair enough. Fair um, enough. So I- another interesting thing I thought was that uh, at least as of March of 2019, uh, Marriott had uh, incurred $28 million in um, in incident response recovery costs and all but 1 million dollars of that was covered by insurance which is uh, i guess quite a bargain and and that does not however include the 120 million dollar fine levied by the UK information commissioner's office under under the GDPR and then uh, and then as i understand it there's also a, a number of um, uh, class action lawsuits and and also that now the, the GDPR a lot of people don't Really realize this. In, in, under the GDPR, most people are really afraid of the 4% annual uh, turnover, 4% of your, your global revenue um, as a, as a fine. The potentially uh, more significant impact is the fact that the GDPR establishes US style uh, class action lawsuits, which is, you know, is not historically. Something that's been possible in uh, in much of Europe. So that you know that the the point is, there could be lots more uh, pain and suffering for them to come.
1: Yeah, and you know, if you take a step back, I I see this a lot with M and A, where there's really not a whole lot of due diligence paid towards auditing and understanding the IT systems you're taking over. It's, it's all business-level stuff. It's all, you know, P&Ls and how will this complement our business and what are the synergies we can achieve. And then the IT department just ends up scrambling. Or, in this case, you have these overlapping systems for sometimes a decade. And it, it, it seems like we're not doing ourselves a good service to not have a faster, more accelerated plan to unify the environments, get, you know, homogeneous monitoring and security across the board and and IT functionality across the both organizations fast so that we have the ability to have some assurance that at least the, the monitoring management alerting methodologies are the same across the old and the new environments and and have some shot of actually managing this this environment successfully and and what i see instead is just you know legacy that just lingers on and on and on and on and it, that's run very differently and i think it adds a lot of drag and a lot of risk and a lot of complexity that's unnecessary
0: yeah de- definitely i i have seen actually both sides of the the whole acquisition due diligence uh, parade uh, as it pertains to it and and you're you're spot on uh, it's it's really almost exclusively the business you know the the business factors that get taken into account and you know even if uh, even if it people would have um you know raised the red flag and said oh my gosh something is not you know not right here there's no no guarantee that it would have been um would have put the brakes on anything now yeah uh, having said that if certainly if in the, in the due diligence phase they would have detected that they had been intruded by you know some chinese nation state actor then you know that may have led to a you know a, a preemptive uh, breach disclosure uh, you know, while that while starwood was still a um, you know a, a separate entity uh, but having said that you know, th- you know these these uh Assuming it is, you know, like China, right? That their their whole MO is to lie in wait and and be hard to detect. So, I think we also have to be somewhat pragmatic about the likelihood and possibility of, um, of of our ability to detect them, especially in a due diligence phase, right? I mean, when when you are doing due diligence with an acquisition, it's typically during a period where um, not a lot of people know about it, and so those sorts of things have to happen in uh, in, in you know, relative secrecy, and and so you you don't have a ton of opportunity to do really really thorough uh, testing and and monitoring without raising sure. lots of alarms. Now, having said that, after you know after there's there's after the acquisition, the intent to to acquire is announced you know, that's less defensible, right? You know, typically there's a period of time between when the acquisition is announced and when the actual acquisition closes. And so there's a period of time there where, um, it, you know, something could have been uh, detected as well. But again, at that point, you know, all of the... um, My observation is the business is, you know, in the... In the throes of trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to integrate uh, the the companies, you know, in IT systems and whatnot, and I, you know, I I, I don't think this, you know, there, there's a, I, I'm again, just my observation. There's not a lot of appetite to go in and do even more testing during that timeframe. Like, you know, look, kid, you you've already you already had your chance. You know stop it. We got it. We got work to do now. And that's, that's been you know, my experience. But I, I, by the way, um, because of, because of reasons have, have seen a, a, a quite a number of cases where company a acquires company B and company B was thoroughly compromised and, um, and company a ends up being compromised in much the same way. Now there's, you know, in, in, In some respects, this actually probably uh, says something about Marriott that there's again no obvious indication that that happened to them. Even in in this in this case, so that may mean that you know Marriott may have uh, done a pretty good job of keeping Starwood walled off from their network. I don't really know for sure, but I have seen this this story you know this movie play out quite a few times and often it ends up with the acquiring company being completely compromised
1: yeah sure first thing that happens often is the IT organization starts screaming for hey where's our where's our WAN link between the two organizations we need to start <laughs> interchanging data
0: right right
1: and it's just you link know link the mail systems right right now and then the firewall says any 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 accept and there you go have a nice day right.
0: they're us now we, we must trust our new New well,
1: and that, I mean, this is a, this is an interesting challenge because I would argue yes, you want to aggressively integrate the systems or s- replace the systems, but you still have to be smart about it. You still have to assume breach, and you know, so these two things can be at odds with each other, and there's some tension there. But I, I don't know. I, I I still feel like a lot of organizations don't plan enough budget and count. To properly merge the IT systems in a timely manner, and it, it lingers for a long time.
0: Well, absolutely, I mean the whole. Again, typically the name of the game is is cost synergies. So, you know, coming and asking for even more money is, is antithetical to the whole premise that you bought the company in the first place. So, um, that that is um, not not terribly surprising that it. That it plays out like that, but I think, you know, in in general, companies need to get better about factoring this into into the fundamental business case. You know, I, I think that.
1: Well, what, yeah, and you could argue that I'd save money once I get on a common platform.
0: Right. Exactly. 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 But it has. But it has to be. To your point, it has to be thoroughly funded, and so. Um. You know, I've seen lots of these business cases, and you know, it typically focuses very heavily on on the you know the near-term cost savings, and there's often not a lot of appetite for you know increasing you know, increasing costs in the short term, even if it's temporary. So, um, I don't think it it should be yeah. surprising, but I, you know, again, this is a business problem, and. IT tends to be at the, you know, at the, at the end of the whip or the, the tail of the dog, however you want to think about it, and not, you know, not, uh, part, of the, um, not part of the the factoring that goes into the the business case or the, the case to uh, make the acquisition. Now, you know, having said that, if you have a, a competent CIO, uh, you know, who, who is respected by the business, then, you know, maybe they do. Um, but again, uh, I think that's even for a a competent, ci competent and, and good communicating CIO is going to be very difficult to um, you know to, to kind of try to swim upstream in, in this kind of an environment. So, yeah, agreed. Um, so th- th- there was one other just thing that struck me about this, and and that is you know think about how much pain and suffering Starwood or Starwood slash Marriott would not have endured had they not had that monitoring program in place. And that's a crazy thing. I, it, it, this bothers me very, uh, you know, really significantly, because there's, there's almost an incentive to do a half-assed job of monitoring,
1: so if I don't know about the problem, I'm not held accountable to fix it. Correct. I mean, so so think about this. Let let's just. But that's so that's so perverse to proper, <laughs> like to actually giving a crap about your business. That's like, uh, wow.
0: I I agree, and yeah. I, I'm not I'm I, I'm not um, I'm not advocating this at all. I guess here you know my my point is if if you think about you know a lot of these more complex intrusions are perpetrated or are in fact perpetrated by nation states, and let's just assume for a second that this one is, or this one was, you know, nation states typically don't run around dumping the, you know, the data, you know, elsewhere. And and so in absence of self-identification and self-disclosure, it's quite likely that no one would ever, in this case, no one would ever known, probably, if if Starwood or Accenture in this case hadn't uh, you know, hadn't got that alert, and then gone off and and investigated, and and you know found all this this stuff out. So um, it concerns me that there is this you know potential setup of a an incentive to not you know to to I guess I'll say it this way to right size your monitoring, <laughs> right? Because uh, because you you know you end up. Um, you end up chasing after a breach that that people may not have otherwise uh, been privy to. So, anyway, it's, well, it's it's a it's an ugly thought, and I
1: no, it is. And you know, I've actually witnessed that directly firsthand. And I won't get into too many details, but when I was a sales engineer, and I was working for a smaller company that had a detection-only system with no ability to solve or contain a compromised host. I had a very large companies see, so tell me you're not bringing me a solution. You're bringing me a problem that I have to deal with. And if I don't, you know, I need a, I need a solution to the problem, not more alerts that I have, that I'm forced to react to. And it, you know, Without your system, I don't have to re- react to these alerts.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right.
1: And it was, uh, uh, let's just say, an a, a impactful learning moment for me <laughs> about the real world and real business.
0: I, I understand.
1: Uh, and it's also a very interesting lesson for business and startups, which is that you know, fidelity of alerting is a tough sell by itself you need to have a story around, at least I think you need to have a story around how it actually then goes further to help the business, not hurt the business.
0: Right. Because Because of the way businesses think. Yeah. It looks like all downside. Yeah. You know, I can can, can now uh, detect all the bad stuff that I can't block.
1: Which is stunning to those of us who are deep in the infosec world. Like, why wouldn't you want to know this? That's great. That's wonderful. We're, we're detecting things, nothing else can detect. That's, that's you know awesome, uh, but businesses just look at that as uh, I've got now a reportable headache that I don't have a, a solve for. Right. Um, you just made my life worse, and it's 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 really tough to get my my mind around that as an infosec guy. But that is reality right. for a lot of businesses. I wouldn't say everyone. I would say that there's there's certainly smart, savvy people on both sides of that equation. But it's a real uh real thing out there, yeah
0: yeah exactly so anyway um that that's uh that's really what I wanted to cover in the show. anything else that you wanted to to cover
1: uh no i, I think uh, I think we beat that story into the ground pretty sufficiently
0: yeah I agree, i agree so uh <laughs> So, so thank you, uh, everyone, for, for listening. Uh, and, and again, thank you to all of our Patreon donors who continue to Absolutely. support us. Thank you, you guys are much. awesome.
1: I know we've been very absent, and that's my fault, but hopefully this will be a start of a return engagement.
0: Absolutely. And uh, as, as usual, you can find links to, the, I guess, the one story in, uh, in the show notes. You can find... Uh, visit us on uh, the web at www.defensivesecurity.org. Um, give us some love on iTunes or your your favorite podcast platform. We should already be there, hopefully. And uh, with that, we will talk again real soon. Have a great one.
1: Have a good one, everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye bye.